Good afternoon, it's Dr. Dan Guerra, Authentic Biochemistry Podcast from the Inland Pacific Northwest of the United States. Today is the 3rd of February, 2023, and this will be uh, lecture number five, and it will be a continuation of the biochemical partitas. We are deeply involved in intermediary metabolism, and I'm about ready to introduce, finally, the glyoxylate cycle. So let's talk about carbohydrate lipid metabolism and then associate the glyoxylate cycle with it. And remember, that is not a pathway that we find in humans. And the question that we're asking is, would that pathway have evolved in higher animals um, as a potential advantage? Let's call it an evolutionary advantage for the utilization of storage or depot fat in the form, of course, of triacylglycerol, which is how fat deposit, lipid deposits occur in humans. And we're getting to that because we're trying to finally wrestle to the ground this whole discussion of um, the requirement for either a reductionist approach to understand living systems or to finally refute it. And I told you I'm in the midst of refuting that. And that's why we're doing it. So go back to our discussion of gluconeogenesis, please. And I will allow you to um, get your place and sit down and think about what we're going to now describe to you. Okay, enough time. Remember that gluconeogenesis, the synthesis net de novo of glucose, particularly described for the mammalian liver, where the carbon source for glucose is not fatty acid. The carbon source can be other, uh, not storage compounds, so much as major macromolecules. Those would include protein and then other organic compounds that can come from degradation of larger structures, even the utilization of nucleic acids, but most often they are spared for producing glucose, but they can be used. So remember that, and also think about the carboxylic acids that come from glycolysis that are in circulation. And there I'm talking primarily about lactate. So we've got amino acids, we've got organic acids, both of which can become from macromolecules during fasting in humans. So you know that lactate dehydrogenase will generate pyruvate. You also should be aware of the fact that many amino acids can be converted to pyruvate or to other intermediates that are in intermediary metabolism, such as the TCA cycle. So alpha-ketoglutarate, oxaloacetic acid, uh, succinic acid, all of these individually described intermediates in the TCA pathway uh, can uh, anaplerotically fill that up and then ultimately use for gluconeogenesis. Ultimately, let's talk it, take it from pyruvic acid. So you know that gluconeogenesis is not really the exact reverse of glycolysis, 
although there are some reactions in common. And I told you that the, the really important linchpin reactions where everything is held together so that your liver's either got to be gluconeogenic or glycolytic, and actually both can occur, but in different cell types in the liver. Here we're talking about those cells that will convert uh, not fatty acyl carbon to carbohydrates. So remember the one, the first reaction we talked about was pyruvic carboxylase. That's the conversion of pyruvic acid to oxaloacetic acid. Now that enzyme, pyruvic carboxylase, is mitochondrial. We've talked about it many times. It, the reaction is pyruvate plus carbon dioxide in the form of bicarbonate plus ATP in the presence, of course, biotin. It's a biotin-containing enzyme because it has um, bicarbonate as a substrate. will generate oxaloacetic acid plus ADPPI. Now, pervicarboxy is a multi-subunit enzyme, and acetyl-CoA is actually a positive allosteric vector. That means, quickly to get to the point, during times of beta oxidation of fatty acids, so during fasting or long-term starvation in humans, you're going to have an increase in acetyl-CoA in the mitochondrion, because that's going to be the end product, if you recall from last lecture, of that series of reactions, starting with acyl-CoA's in the cytosol, um, moving through the carnitine, carnitine mineral transferase system, to make it to the matrix of mitochondria and then for beta oxidation. So acetyl-CoA is going to be building up at the same time. Uh, beta oxidation is occurring. You're going to get gluconeogenesis, mammalian liver. Now, remember that the next reaction was catalyzed by PEP carboxykinase. I want to go back one more thing about pre-beta carboxylase. Essentially, it's irreversible. Okay, thermodynamically. So that once you commit uh, to synthesize OAA from pyruvate, that OAA is going to be used out of the TCA cycle or from coniogenesis. Now, the OAA then that can be synthesized in the mitochondrion is going to leave the mitochondrion through a major route, primarily the malate aspartate shuttle. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. What I want you to understand is that the next enzyme, which is cytosolic, is phosphinylpyruvate carboxykinase. That reaction is going to take two molecules of GTP, hydrolyze the GDP, and also um, the product, the other product besides phosphoenolpyruvate, is going to be carbon dioxide, two molecules of that. The next reaction, of course, will lead to fructose 1,6-bisphosphate after PEP is converted to glyceraldi-3-phosphate and dihydroxyacetone phosphate. And that will then be converted to fructose 6-phosphate and then the glucose 6-phosphate. And finally, the phosphatase, which you find in the hepatocyte, will generate free glucose, which will be released into circulation. We talked about all the different regulations of gluconeogenesis last time. I'm not going to talk about it. I did mention acetyl-CoA, though. All right. Also keep in mind this enzyme we mentioned uh, last lecture. 
an enzyme that's involved in fatty acid synthesis, because this is also something to keep in mind. Remember, the liver can be gluconeogenic and beta-oxidative, but the liver can also switch to fatty acid synthetic and glycolytic. And there are several enzymes which will change the poise of hepatocyte. One of the major uh, enzymes is acetylcocarboxylase. It's another biotin-containing enzyme, because once again, you're incorporating carbon dioxide, in this case, in the form of bicarbonate, of course. So you, there's an intermediate called a carboxybiotinyl enzyme, and then you make malonyl-CoA um, by, by the uh, facilitation of the reaction with acetyl-CoA. Okay? And then that malonyl-CoA is poised for condensation reactions in de novo fatty acid synthesis, which occurs on a polyprotein complex in the cytoplasm in the mammalian cell. Particularly here, we're talking about the hepatocyte. And that reaction, remember, is you start off with malonyl-CoA. There's a malonyl. Also, it will take acetyl-CoA. ACP transacylase reaction. It will make malonyl-ACP when mal-CoA is a substrate. The acetyl-CoA will go through the same transacylase. This is the priming of the fatty acid synthase. So then you'll have acetyl-ACP and malonyl-ACP. Those two reactants will then produce acetoacetyl ACP via the beta keto acyl ACP synthase. Okay. The acetoacetyl ACP will then be reduced via the ketoacyl uh, reductase. That needs NADPH. Remember that. You're then going to make a D beta hydroxybutyryl ACP, which will be dehydrated to an alpha-beta-transbutenol ACP. That will finally be reduced with another molecule of NADPH to make butyryl ACP, fully reduced form of that C4-growing fatty acyl chain. That, remember, the acyl carrier protein has a phosphopentathione group, which is derived from coenzyme A. So it's the oral thioester biochemistry. And notice that NDPH is there, so reductive bio, uh, biosynthesis. Now, seven reactions later, just going through that same loop we just did, you will make the central end product of fatty acid synthesis, palmitoyl ACP, which will then be removed by a palmitoyl thioesterase, which is part of the fatty acid synthesis complex, that polyprotein in the cytoplasm. You'll make palmitate. That palmitate will then be esterified to coenzyme A. And then it will get into glycerolipid or sphingol liver metabolism. Okay. So it's real quick on that. Now, I want you to think about the compartmentalization that's going on here. When glycolysis is occurring, glucose goes to pyruvate. Pyruvate can enter the mitochondrion and then be converted to oxaloacetic acid. Remember, that's the pyruvate carboxylase I just went through. Now, Pyruvate can also be converted to acetyl-CoA dur during glycolysis when fatty acid oxidation is not occurring in the mitochondrion. That will be conducted, of course, by the pyruvate dehydrogenase. So those two utilizations of pyruvate will then make OAA and acetyl-CoA, which will then be a citrate synthase, synthase make citrate. Now, high levels of glycolysis and high caloric intake 
and therefore the liver is poised to synthesize ultimately fatty acid and cholesterol. That citrate will leave the mitochondrion and then the reaction will be the um, citrate lyase. The citrate lyase reaction will resynthesize in the cytoplasm oxalacetic acid and then, then the acetyl-CoA. That acetyl-CoA will go through fatty acid synthesis, which I've just explained to you. Now, the malate can re-enter the mitochondrion, and when it does so, it does so via an antiport system with citrate. So malate re-enters, citrate's leaving. Remember, I just told you what the HP citrate lies reaction. The malate can then be converted back to OAA via malate dehydrogenase and DH producing, and you're back then into synthesizing more citrate and running more carbon, ultimately derived from pyruvate from glycolysis to make more fatty acid in the cytoplasm. Now, there's a couple other things that can go on in the cytoplasm. Malate can also be converted via the malic enzyme utilizing oxidized NADP plus to pyruvate. That's a decarboxylating reaction that generates NADPH, and that NADPH can be used for the reductive biosynthesis of fatty acids. Now, pyruvate, synthesized now in the cytoplasm from the malic enzyme, can also be recruited back to the mitochondrion, just as we've been describing. And the pyruvate will go through either the, again, pyrocarboxylase or the pyruvidehydrogenase, in fact, making citrate, etc. Okay, so in the cytoplasm, the pyruvate can also be converted to OAA. There is a cytoplasmic pyruvate uh, um, uh, carboxylase, and that will generate OAA, okay? And that requires carbon dioxide, obviously, and ATP hydrolysis. That OAA can be converted to malate in the cytoplasm, and that's going to utilize NADH, because that's the reverse of the malate dehydrogenase, and synthesize malate. So that completes what's going on in the glycolytic mode, non-fatty acids, uh, I mean, non, yeah, non-beta oxidation mode. So remember, you've got beta oxidation, which is occurring in the mitochondrion. And you've got all that biosynthesis I just went through for fatty acids that occurs in the cytoplasm. And there's a redox that controls a great deal of what I just described to you. And that redox is coupled around the dehydrogenases in the tricarboxylic acid cycle, also in the mitochondrion. Okay? Okay. And of course, that's acetylcarboxylase. So you get the idea now what's going on in the cell, in the hepatocyte. Now, more about the pruvate carboxylase. Finally, the mitochondria, I already told you the reaction. I already told you it's a multi subunit enzyme, and it's critical for both gluconeogenesis, because it's going to make oxalacetic acid, but also for fatty acid synthesis because it provides OAA. And that's going to be a precursor for malate and, of course, for citrate. So you see the two. Uh, and we went through this whole thing, right? So since it is essentially an irreversible enzyme, the perfect carboxylase, under normal physiological conditions, PC doesn't generate pyruvate from OAA. PC is generally considered to be a sense to anaplerotic enzyme. 
because it functions to replace the OAA that is reduced to malate in the citric acid cycle. Okay, ultimately that is, right? Okay, so since citric acid intermediates are important in both gluconeogenesis and lipogenesis, that enzyme becomes very important, that pyruvic carboxylase, that irreversible enzyme. Now, I already went through the citric acid cycle, uh, the rest of the reactions, so I'm not going to do it now, but just remember that once OAA and acetyl-CoA through citrate synthase make citrate, the TCA cycle, if it's not blocked by high levels of NADH to NAD ratios, will go through a conotase to make isocitrate, and then isocitrate dehydrogenase to ultimately alpha-ketoglutarate. You're going to make NADH there. And you're going to also, uh, that's our decarboxylating enzyme driving the reaction. Alpha-ketoglutarate dehydrogenase would follow. That would include the uh, incorporation of coenzyme A. It is also decarboxylating, also NADH producing. And that will generate succinyl-CoA. Succinyl-CoA synthase will generate GTP, free coenzyme A, and succinate, then ultimately succinate dehydrogenase will produce FADH2 and fumaric acid. Fumarase, which picks up water, will make malate, malate dehydrogenase back to OAA. Okay? I, I, I just wanted to fill you in on that. Now, there's a mitochondrial carrier family of proteins. They are responsible for the transport of multiple metabolites as well as nucleotides and other cofactors across the mitochondrial inner membrane. Sometimes you also find these carrier proteins uh, in, the, uh, in other membranes, okay? But we won't talk about them now. So these carriers connect all those enzymatic reactions into those multiple metabolic pathways I just mentioned to you which can be partially localized in the cytoplasm or now just sense restrict you into the mitochondrial matrix. But remember, they could be in other compartments. What other compartments? Endoplasmic reticulum, the nucleus, the peroxisome, the Golgi. Okay, we'll stop there. Now, there is an ADP-ATP carrier exchange where it picks up cytosolic ADP from matrix ATP. You know that's going to be generated via complex 5 oxidophosphorylation. Other carriers transport important solutes in and out of the mitochondria, and as I just said, the peroxisomes, etc. All of those carrier proteins are six transmembrane alpha helices. Now, the most well characterized of them, because it's ultimately linked to what we're describing here in intermediate metabolism, is the oxoglutarate carrier, otherwise known as OGC. And it's also known as the oxoglutarate malate antiporter. Very important component of the much more known to people who've taken biochemistry, the MA shuttle or the malate aspartate shuttle. Okay. And also remember there is a alpha-ketoglutarate citrate shuttle. Now, oxoglutarate is also alpha-ketoglutarate, the intermediate TCA cycle. Okay. So OGC, okay, this oxoglutarate carrier, essential for several metabolic processes, events in the cell, including that malate aspartate shuttle, which ultimately is going to transfer the reducing equivalents of NADH 
from the cytosol into the mitochondria. Okay. Now, in the malleus bartate shuttle, alpha-ketoglutarate and malleate are transported by that OGC and aspartate and glutamate by the aspartate glutamate carrier, known as the AGC. Now, those four substrates are going to be converted by the mitochondrial and cytoplasmic conformers of the glutamate oxaloacetate transaminase and malodehydrogenase. The net effect of the malleus partridge shuttle is that NADH in the cytosol is oxidized to NAD and matrix NAD is used is then reduced to NADH. Okay? And that could be done, of course, by beta oxidation. Now, so the physiological role of OGC and the malleus bartate shuttle, let me just put this whole thing together for you, okay? So the malleus bartate shuttle goes like this. Let's start with um, alpha-ketoglutarate coming out of the mitochondria and then reacting with the glutamate oxaloacetate transaminase reaction. When that occurs, you'll make oxaloacetic acid in the cytoplasm and glutamate. The oxaloacetic acid in the cytoplasm can be used, could be used for gluconeogenesis, or it can be converted via malic dehydrogenase and a DH requiring, generating NAD now ready for glycolysis to continue on. Malate. The malate can then enter the mitochondria. So alpha ketoglutarate left, malate enters. When malate enters the mitochondrion, it'll go through malate dehydrogenase to make OAA. At the same time, the glutamate we just synthesized will come into the mitochondrion, and it will react with the OAA to make alpha-ketoglutarate and aspartic acid. And aspartic acid will leave the mitochondrion, and that will be the fourth component in that first reaction I just mentioned to you, the glutamate oxaloacetate transaminase. So that, again, that reaction will be aspartate, alpha-ketoglutarate going to glutamate plus OAA, right? Okay. Now you got that whole thing figured out. That's the malate aspartate shuttle. Now the rest of it is like this. Alpha-ketoglutarate can again go through the OGC. Okay. Remember that's the oxaglutarate shuttle system or alpha-ketoglutarate. Oh, okay. So alpha-KG can go into the uh, mitochondrion. Same time, malate can leave. So what happens in the malate, it can re-enter via the isocitrate citrate carrier, okay? Now there, malate isn't altered at all. Now let me finish what happens to the alpha-ketoglutarate in the mitosol, the mitochondria. So that alpha-ketoglutarate can go through the isocitrate dehydrogenase NADPH requiring enzyme. Okay, so that's alpha-ketoglutarate IDH enzyme with NADPH reducing will make isocitrate. And the alpha-ketoglutarate, okay, so, and the alpha-ketoglutarate can also be utilized to make oxaloacetic acid, okay, with the reaction we just mentioned to you. So, uh, so that's TCA cycle. Now, not only that, Glucose converted to pyruvate, pyruvate can enter 
directly, as you know, the mitochondria, and can be converted either to acetyl-CoA or to what? Oxalacetic acid. So now you've got the complete couple going. And you know acetyl-CoA eventually can be converted to isocitrate, and the isocitrate can leave and the malate can come in, right? One other reaction I want to mention to you is glutamine can be deaminated to glutamic acid, and glutamic acid has its own transporter just for itself, and it can come into the mitochondria in that way. And then the glutamate can then go through glutamate dehydrogenase to make alpha-ketoglutamate. Okay. So now you've got the whole system in place. Okay. You've got all the reactions that are possible. So again, I want you to understand this uh, malate aspartate shuttle. This is really important to have in your mind because ultimately we're almost there. I've got to check my time. <laughs> oh my gosh, we got five minutes. We're almost there where we're going to start talking about the oxalate cycle. Just keep in mind this real quickly. Once again, malate aspartate shuttle. Okay. Aspartate in the matrix of the mitochondrion leaves as glutamate enters. Now the aspartate was generated by the reaction of oxalacetic acid with alpha-ketoglutarate, okay? So alpha-ketoglutarate and glutamate, okay? So glutamate can be converted to alpha-ketoglutarate. At the same time, oxalacetic acid is converted to aspartate. That's glutamate came into the mitochondria, aspartate left. Now, the same thing happens now in the cytoplasm, right? Actually, it's in the intermembrane place space between the two mitochondrial membranes, but because it's in space, it's easily translocated out of that outer membrane, diffuses. So the aspartate then will react once again with alpha-ketoglutarate to make glutamate that comes back into the mitochondrion. But again, cytosolic or intermembranous space OAA. Now that OAA, that oxalacetic acid, is how you can enter gluconeogenesis, okay? That's the point we're making here. You get that, right? Of course you do. And it could also, of course, be converted back to malate. Malate can go through the malate alpha-ketoglutarate transport, transport shuttle, which is inner mitochondrial membrane. That'll bring the malate back in to generate the OAA for that last trans, the first transaminase I talked about, right? The aspartate alpha-ketoglutarate transaminase. All right, got it. Now. Pyruvate is converted to the 4-carbonoxalacetic acid by pyruvate carboxylase. Now, that occurs primarily in response to an increase in fatty acid oxidation. So, free fatty acids or fatty acyl-CoAs from adipocytes are readily oxidized in the, in the hepatocyte, right? The loss of insulin in AKT signaling will decrease the amount of malonyl-CoA. Now, mal that's because those that signaling with insulin and the AKT uh, pathway, which is that kinase pathway, because of insulin binding its receptor and then signaling through its uh, insulin uh, um, receptor substrates, right? <laughs> um, because you have a decreased amount of CoA, that'll remove the remove the inhibition of carbamyl, uh, not excuse me, not carbamyl, carnitine phosphotransferase 1. That will allow fatty acids then to enter the mitochondria. Okay, So low levels of malonyl-CoA 
will decrease the inhibition of CPT1. Okay? So as the free fatty acids undergo beta oxidation, you get a massive amount of mitochondrial acetyl-CoA. Okay? So massive amounts of acetyl-CoA released will activate a pyruvate dehydrogenase kinase, which that kinase, once it's activated, will phosphorylate the enzyme pyruvate dehydrogenase, and it'll inhibit it. Now, in contrast, high acetyl-CoA levels will allosterically activate the pyruvate carboxylase. So you're going to keep on making oxalacetic acid. And the oxalacetic acid, converted to malate, then exits the mitochondrion through that malate aspartate shuttle to be used for gluconeogenesis. Okay? So you've got that all put together now. You've got the whole setup. And unfortunately, I only have a minute left. So I absolutely promise you, we will pick up on this now that we've finished off all that TCA cycling and all of the interactions between the malate aspartate shuttle and the group transporters, right? across that mitochondrial membrane complex and all the enzymes involved, involving amino acids like aspartate and glutamate, and then all the intermediates, alpha-ketoglutarate, oxalacetic acid, malate, pyruvate, right? And we're going to be out on the cytosol making then, right, glucose from OAA. Okay, we've got that all done. Now we're going to enter the glyoxylate cycle and see what happens if that were occurring during fatty acid synthesis or during beta oxidation. It occurs in beta oxidation in those systems when you have the glyoxylate cycle in place, like in plants and in microbes. Dr. Dan Guerra from Authentic Biochemistry saying bye for now.